Thank you for joining us for this week's message from the First Christian Church in Great Bend, Kansas. Each week we share thought-provoking and life-changing teachings on topics that are important and relevant to you in your life. We hope that you will be encouraged by our weekly podcast and will tune in regularly. Now let's join the First Christian Church of Great Bend for this week's message. All right, so today we're in the third week of our sermon series called In the Beginning. And remember, what I'm attempting to do in in this series is to give all of you a basic understanding of the two different creation stories that we have in our Bible, with the overall goal being to not only help you read and understand these stories for what they proclaim, but also to help you to see, which is actually what we're going to be getting into today, how science really isn't the enemy. But instead, just another incredible tool that we can use as Bible-believing Christians to to not only explore and learn even more about this incredible reality we live in, but also to begin to see um, in even deeper ways just how big and amazing God really is. So in week one, what we discovered by examining the first creation story, which is Genesis 1, 1 through 2, 4a, is that it's quite clear this story was not written to give us a scientific account of how the universe was created. But instead, it was an ancient description of the creation of the world meant to teach us theological truth. Then last week, what we uncovered as we got into these theological truths is that, first of all, this incredible world that we live in didn't come about through some cosmic battle, which is, remember, what the ancients believed. Nor did it come about through some kind of cosmic accident, which is what more and more modern people believe. It was actually spoken into existence by an all-powerful, loving God who was working on his masterpiece. Then we learn that as human beings, we were not created by the gods to be their slaves, which remember is what all the ancients believed. This is what happened before this story came out. Nor were we created in some kind of fluke, random accident in an infinitely big and meaningless universe, which is what more and more people believe. But instead, we're fearfully and wonderfully made by the one true God as the pinnacle of his good creation. And that we have been created in God's image and likeness to live in relationship with God. Or that's the the life-changing theological truth that not only completely and totally changed the world when this story was told, you know, 3,000 years ago, but it's a truth that continues to transform our lives and the world every single day because of what it reminds us about who our God really is and where we fit in God's good world. And you should have chill bumps at this moment if you don't. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely spectacular. Okay, so now that you're starting to understand how to make sense of the first creation story, it's now time to jump into creation story number two. In creation story number two, you guys know it as the Adam and Eve story. But instead of jumping into the theological truth, which this story proclaims, which is what we're going to do next week by talking about the fall, what I would like to show you is how, like the first creation story, the Adam and Eve story was not written to give us a scientific account of the creation of the world or the fall, but was written to teach us theological truths. And the way that I'm going to be doing that is I'm going to be showing you the differences that exist between the first creation story and the second creation story, or the Adam and Eve story, because you can't fit them together no matter how hard you try, which you have to keep in mind is nothing new. The ancients knew about this. They talked about this. It's there. The ancients knew how to read their ancient text in theological ways, so it wasn't that big a deal. It's not until you get into the modern period and we try to line everything up where people started having trouble with this. So you guys think you're ready for this? You, you really think you're ready for this? 
So let me just warn you, um, when I first heard this information, my life collapsed around me. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. So if you feel a little twinge or whatever, just know uh, you're not the only one. So let's kind of get into this. So the most obvious difference that you will find between these two creation stories is just how much time it took to create the world. Because according to the first story, right, it took how many days to create the world? Seven, six, but seven because God rested on the seventh day. How many days did it take in the second creation story? What does it say in the very opening line? In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. So that account, you have a seven day and then you have a day long account. Next, you will find that according to the first creation story, what existed before God started creating was this dark, watery chaos. Remember the, well, I don't know if I got into the tohu vabohu, but that's what it is in the Hebrew. Well, in the second story, we're given a picture of dry land, which is watered from a stream that comes up from the ground. Next, according to the first creation story, animals were created before humans, while in the second story, um, Adam was created before all of the animals. It's also the case that the first story, uh, God created vegetation on day three and didn't create humans until day six, while the Adam and Eve story reverses that order with Adam coming first and only later, God planting a garden in Eden. And then the last difference I'll show you, because I think you guys now get it, even though there's more differences, is that according to the first creation story, God created male and female at the same time right? That's that famous line. God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. While in the second creation story, God creates Adam and then goes on to create Eve after he creates all of the uh, animals. It's just the way the story goes. So are you guys seeing that, that when you try to line these things up, they, they, just, don't, they just don't overlap? Well, again, what you need to know is that this the way this text has always been. It's what it's always said. It's what you'll find in ancient commentaries when people are kind of wrestling with it and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I also know that at this point, some of you are just reeling from what I just said. And the reason I know that is because the first time I heard this information sitting in my intro to Old Testament classes was the second week. So the first week I told you about it wasn't good. And then the second week we did this and it was even worse. Or to give you a, a gist of what kind of place I was in when hearing this for the first time, for at least the first couple of months after hearing this, I was convinced that my Old Testament professor was a heretic. And that the seminary I was attending was demonic. I really believe this. And the reason I believe it is because it was so out of the norm from what I had heard before. But thankfully, what I discovered as I stuck with it and devoted myself to getting to the bottom of what God is really doing through these stories instead of running away or just holding on to what I already believe because that's what we're really good at. If we hear something we don't like, we, we turn away or, or we just hold on to what we already know. Instead of doing that, I, I, I dug in and said, okay, so what's going on here? And slowly but surely I learned through a whole lot of prayer and study that my Old Testament professor really wasn't a heretic or, or someone that was trying to lead me astray but instead was this brilliant man who was so devoted to following Jesus that he committed his entire life to learning as much as he could about the Old Testament so he could go on to teach thousands of ministry students what it means to read the Bible well. And I don't know if you guys understand what it takes to become a biblical scholar these days, 
Uh, but it is absolutely ridiculous. You have to learn like five different languages besides Hebrew and Aramaic and Greek. And, and it's, you go to, uh, you have this master's degree, and then you have like eight more years that you have to go. This is not some joke. These guys get after this stuff. And this guy was willing to do that. Also, he could help people read the Old Testament. Well, or get deeper into these books, which you and I can do to a certain extent. But if you don't have all the tools, you can't go as deep as someone who has spent their whole life doing it. Which, even though it was a difficult thing for me in that moment, it's now something that I'm grateful for. Because ultimately what my Old Testament professor did for me is he gave me eyes to see that God is even bigger and more amazing than I could have ever imagined. Or in essence, what he did was um, we all have a box that we like to keep God in that's safe and sound. And he exploded that box for me and showed me things that I couldn't even imagine. Couldn't even imagine. And so basically what I'm trying to do through this series is do the same thing for you guys so that you can be opened up to going even deeper in your faith. And all because now that you're starting to understand the truth that that these stories proclaiming is not scientific but theological, you're now in a place where you can see that you really can't have your cake and eat it too when it comes to science and religion. Because what happens when you begin to read these creation stories for what they really are, you will find that. You can actually take the theological truth of who our God is, where we fit, and why God created in the first place, and then add science to that. So you start with the theological, and then you add science to that to get an even bigger and more complex picture of just how amazing, huge, brilliant, and awe-inspiring our God really is. Or what you will find when you start adding science to, to what the Bible proclaims is that science does not, nor has it ever, disproved the existence of God but instead opens us up to a knowledge and wisdom that goes way beyond anything we could have ever imagined. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, go out and watch one of those documentaries on the evolution of the universe. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Any documentary fans in here? Two? So the rest of you got something to do this week? So what I want you to do is instead of watching that for for just the facts, right? That's kind of, I want you to watch it as something that reveals to us who our God is and how he is at work in the world. Because I promise you, when you put the theological truth that these creation stories are teaching us with what modern science has to say, it will take your breath away and blow your mind. It will take your breath away and blow your mind as you start thinking about how our infinite universe exploded into existence 13.8 billion years ago. Or what I hear in the back of my mind when I think about this big bang that they talked about is let there be light. And you don't get any bigger light than that, right? Or how our place in the universe is located at the edge of just one of a hundred billion galaxies. One of a hundred billion galaxies. And also how we live on this tiny rock that orbits a small sun which somehow is put together so perfectly That we can breathe and eat and think and talk and watch TV or that we exist at all. Right? You guys realize how mind-blowing that is? And even when it comes to evolution. And I know there's a lot of people 
get a little evolution. What there's, there's been this ongoing war between evolution and science for almost 300 years. Now, let me say this about evolution. I'm not completely convinced they've got it all figured out. But what I will say is I think it's the best theory that's going out there. They've got some questions to answer for me. Like, how do you get from dirt to living things? That's a huge deal, right? And then you get this thing called the Cambrian explosion that they can't, um, they can't give us a good explanation for when you go from just basic things to this, this explosion of life. So if you take the theological truth that as human beings, we are fearfully and wonderfully made in the image and likeness of God, and then add evolution to that, what you'll find is evolution doesn't disprove the Bible or prove that God doesn't exist, but in fact proves that God is even more creative and brilliant than we first thought. Because what evolution opens us up to about how God creates light is that God didn't just create in one fell swoop. Although there's no doubt in my mind that God could have done that. But instead has created us through this incredibly complex process based on a four-letter genetic alphabet. Which in the end isn't scary or evil. It's absolutely breathtaking and mind-blowing when you begin to see it. Or the, the only analogy that I can come up with that, that shows just how incredible this is so imagine if you created a robot, right? And that, that's easy, that's kind of easy to think about. But you created a robot that was so complex that that robot then could create. So do you see the huge difference there? So God didn't just create something and then it just kind of does its thing. No, God created these things that then go on and create, that then go on and create. And your, your brain just explodes. Or if you want to learn more about this, I would encourage you to go out and get the book Language of God. It's kind of an older book, and it's written by Francis Collins. And what Collins does in this book is a Bible-believing Christian and the lead scientist on the Human Genome Project is to try to show us that DNA is actually the language that God used to create all living things. Which again is not evidence against the existence of God, but in fact is evidence that points beyond itself to a God that is so far beyond us. It's no wonder why we're confused all of the time. So, so what do you guys think? Do you guys don't realize how brave it is for me to stand up here and say this in a pulpit, don't, do you? I mean, this war has been going on for a long, long time, and it's been one of those things where if you believe in this, then you are not a part of us. If you believe in that, then you are not a part of us. Well, I am up here proclaiming to you in my humble opinion, and remember, I don't have everything all figured out, uh, and I'm not going to stand up here and tell you what to believe. But the way I read these things, you can have your cake and eat it too. And all that science that's out there, um, it's not proving that God doesn't exist. In fact, I think it's proving that God is much, much bigger than we ever could have imagined. Okay, I've got one person that's on my side. The rest of you can hang me later. It'll be all right. No, the other thing, the other, and this is just kind of a side note. How, how many of you have ever read any quantum mechanics? Some quantum If you've never read anything about quantum mechanics, which is the little, littlest stuff in, in our universe, it will point to a God that you, just unbelievable. I'll give, you, I'll give you one little fun fact. There's this thing called spooky action at a distance. And so what they do is they take these subatomic particles and they put them together. And when you put these particles together, they kind of sync up and one rotates in one way and one rotates in the other way, right? They can take one particle, they can put it in Los Angeles, 
They take the other particle and move it clear over to New York City, right? They're not touching. There's nothing going in between. They change the spin on this particle. Automatically, that particle changes. So at the deepest levels of our universe, there's this connection that we don't even know about. So go out, read the Bible for all it's worth. Get in there because it will absolutely transform your life. But don't be afraid of science. Get in there too because it proclaims that God is even bigger than we thought. Come on now. All right, let us pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And no doubt, this is, this is one of those topics that so many people have struggled with for a long time and in learning how to remain faithful to you and how to interpret and all those things. But my prayer, Lord, is that we begin to see things in a new way. We begin to see that um, science is not the enemy, but in fact is a tool that we can use every single day to not only learn more about our world and to make our world better, but also that points beyond itself to just how magnificent you really are, to all the different ways that you're still at work in our lives, transforming and shaping in this foundation. I mean, it just, I can't even talk about it. It's so amazing. So Lord, help us to not only receive the theological truth that these stories proclaim to us and that we really are created in your image and likeness, but also what science has to tell us about how that might just work. We ask this all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. You are invited back next week for another life-changing message from the First Christian Church of Great Bend, Kansas. Please check out our website at www.fccgbk.com. That's fccgbk.com. May you have a blessed week.